Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. So I had quite a week this week uh, preparing for this, because I don't get nervous at all, right? Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Especially like, you know, because like, Ron's this incredible teacher, and so I figure everyone's so used to hearing this incredible teacher, and I get a little bit nervous about it. And then, to make matters worse, like, Fabi gave her testimony last week, and that's a tough act to follow, right? But, yeah, I guess um, today I'm just going to rely on faith. How's that? Rely on grace. And so I caught myself asking myself this week, what was so good about Fabi last week? What made it so great? And what's, what's so good about Ron every week, except for the fact that, you know, he's Ron, you know? And uh, I think it's one specific thing that both of those had in common, that, that Fabi's testimony and Ron's regular teaching it has in common, and, it, and Paul talks about it in Romans, Romans 1.16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And in case, like, you know, if you don't really speak ancient Hebrew or ancient Greek translated into English, like me, Paul's saying it's not about you. Imagine that. Wait, no. You mean you guys didn't come here to hear me speak because I'm so wonderful? Wait, no, you didn't. See, I think Satan purposely twists things around so that we'll be ashamed of the gospel. I mean, it started from the very beginning. He, he, twi- he, he spoke it to uh, Eve, and next thing you know, uh, we're in this mess, right? <laughs> he loves to twist things around, and so he gets in my head and maybe yours too, and he starts explaining to me how you guys don't need to hear my story, or you don't need to hear what I think. And the truth is, it's true. The easiest way to tell a lie is by telling the truth. You don't need to hear my story. But you do need to hear about Jesus. And so when I tell you about what Jesus has done in my life, it's not about me. And that's the real point, right? Long, uncomfortable silence. So what made Fabi so great last week was that she unapologetically let us know what Jesus did to her, right? She talked about where she was, and then what happened, and then what it's like now. And I thought that was a pretty amazing story, to go from point A to point Z like that, you know? It was a long way to go. Testimonies like that are throughout the New Testament. They're actually in the Old Testament too, but they're talking about what's going to happen rather than what's already happened, like the New Testament. What happened in the New Testament was amazing. At one point, Jesus meets this blind guy. 
And he does something really weird. I still haven't figured this out yet. He actually picked up some dirt and spit in it and made mud with it and put it on the guy's eye. And he said to go to a particular pool and wash it out. And he did. And when he did, he could see. And this really upset the zealots at that time. They were really upset about this because it was on the Sabbath. And they're trying to figure out how come this guy can do godly things when he's not godly. They got the second part wrong. (laughs) So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. The guy says, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied. And I washed, and now I could see. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. And I love the way he answers them. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and I can see. See, I have a similar story. I, uh, I searched for God for years, my whole life. I searched for him in drugs. I searched for him in alcohol. I searched for him in football. I searched for him uh, uh, in clubs, um, motorcycle clubs, all kinds of wonderful stuff, right? And I could not find him. And I decided that getting sober was the end all to everything. And I started going to 12-step meetings. And if anyone in here hears anything out of this that sounds like I'm talking down about 12-step meetings, that's not what I'm doing at all because they saved me. They introduced me to Jesus, although they don't know that. But I searched for God everywhere, and I couldn't find him. And then the, at eight years sober, I'm still absolutely miserable. I'm stark raving sober, some people would say. Um, my then-girlfriend that I lived with was driving me crazy. Um, I think she wanted me dead, I'm pretty sure. Um, I started having one of our daughters taste test the f- No, I'm joking. And uh, <laughs> it got really bad for me. And once again, I wanted to die. There's been many times in my life I wanted to die. And so that's where I was. For me, I felt that life was a prison sentence. And one day I found myself standing right back there in this very room near the closest door to the exit in case I had to flee. And I was terrified. And Ron did exactly what I was afraid he would do. Because I had heard about these preacher men, right? They tell you everything you do wrong. (laughs) They point at you and call you a sinner. And Ron did something that isn't like Ron. I've never heard him speak this way again. For some reason, he did it that day. He walked up to the podium and he grabbed his notes and he tossed them and said, I'm not supposed to talk about this today. And then he started talking about sin and a number of different types of sin. And the fact that he knew that 
a number of us were engaged, imprisoned by these various styles of sin. And I felt something go through my chest like I had never known. And now I understand that what went through my chest was the truth. See, my whole life I was trying to solve my problem. My problem was alcoholism or drug addiction or women or the world or politics or whatever I could think of at the time. The fact that I'm too short. (laughs) This was always my problem. All these things. But they weren't. What my real problem was, was I was making my own life empty through my own behaviors, my own action. And I didn't know what to do about it. How can you solve a problem when you don't understand what the problem is? I worked really hard for years to solve the problem. Imagine what it's like peering through 12-step books and trying to write steps and not understanding what went wrong. How do you fix it? And that day, I got my answer. And so when everything was done up here, you know, the the dog and pony show was done, and all the people were coming down for prayer, and the band's playing again, and I still didn't want Jesus. I certainly didn't want silly prayer. But I came forward, and I sat in a chair that they took out. It used to be right there. Because I wanted to talk to Ron, because he obviously had my answers. Four different people came up and asked me if I wanted prayer. I said, I'll be honest, I was rude. (laughs) I didn't just say no. I'm like, no, (laughs) you know? And so they would scurry away. Finally, Ron came and sat next to me, and we started talking. And uh, about 45 minutes later, I'm all snot and boogers. And (laughs) 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 and so Ron asked me a very interesting question he said so are you ready ready for what he's like are you ready to accept Jesus in your heart and I looked up at Ron with tears streaming down my face and said I have nothing to offer him and Ron with this look on his face that was extremely understanding, said, isn't that the point? And in that moment, the Holy Spirit took that spike it had been stabbing me with and moved it around a lot because I knew that was the truth. That was exactly the point. It was that I I could not offer anything. That's what it is to need somebody. When you can't buy them, You can't appease them. You can't convince them. You have nothing to offer in order to get what you need. I needed him, and I needed it in a way that didn't have to be paid for. See, I wanted to come here today and do something really different. I wanted to preach the gospel. I didn't want to just come and theorize about stuff in the Bible. I didn't want to dump a bunch of theology on you guys. I wanted to preach the gospel. 
And so I had to actually ask myself, what's the gospel? Right? You hear that all the time. And like the, the, the good little newbie Christian inside of me came out and said, gospel means good news. <laughs> and that's what I came to say. Have a good day. <laughs> so what good news? What could I possibly try, be trying to tell you about good news? That it's yet going to be sunny again today? I mean, <laughs> I mean, preaching about Jesus is kind of like being the weather person in Southern California. And it's, it's grace again. <laughs> and he loves you still, <laughs> you know? I mean, what more can I say, <laughs> you know? What I can say is no matter how many times I repeat myself over and over and over, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's relevant. It's worth talking about that I was blind and now I see. It's worth explaining to people. So it's like this, right? Uh, uh, what the blind guy did is as simple as this, right? Because when we read it out of here, it can get confusing, right? Because we have preconceptions of what this might be doing to us. And so yesterday, I went for a very long bicycle ride. And I'm a man, so of course I didn't need sunscreen. <laughs> and some of you may have noticed the, well, it's not a farmer's tan. It's more of a farmer's burn right here, right? Yeah, it's burnt. And it hurts, Yes. 26 miles, baby. It's a record for me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Zoom. There's a lot of people talking in here, and you guys don't hear it. <laughs> but it's fun. And so, imagine me getting up here and telling you, look what I did to my skin. Yeah, I'm so powerful, I can turn my own skin red. No. It's not like that. The sun is a very powerful thing. S-U-N, sun, is a very powerful thing. And it burnt me yesterday because it's more powerful than I am. It gave me so much life-giving vitamin D that it turned out bad. <laughs> now, no one in the world can convince me that the sun is not powerful. No one in the world can convince me because I got burnt by it. I felt it myself, and that's the way I felt that day in a chair that was right there. From that moment on, no one could convince me that there is no God. No one could convince me that you couldn't feel God like he was tangible because the Spirit entered my body that day. It's very important that we tell people about that. It's very important that we don't think it's about us and we don't get embarrassed because they're going to say, oh, yeah, he's telling me all the good stuff that happened in his life because he's you know, got an ego. <laughs> don't think that. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about the blessing in your life that came from it. We just sang it a few minutes ago. And we will overcome, right? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Our testimony isn't what we did. It's what happened to us. I think uh, the, the, 
the greatest example of giving your testimony, I'm, I'm sorry if, if anyone here doesn't like The Chosen, but I love it. When Mary is talking to Nicodemus, and he's trying to figure out how she's healed, and she says, all I can tell you is, I was one way, and then I was completely different. And the thing that happened in the middle was him. Now, most people would see that and not think a thing. Yeah, so what? But I know how that feels. Because I walked out of this church that day, and I wasn't me anymore. And I'll admit, some of the behaviors hung on for a little while. (laughs) You know, it took a minute. The rehabilitation of this mess uh, took a second. But I was different. I was completely different. I was so different that she noticed when I got home. I had spent years trying to get this woman to marry me, and I wasn't enough, apparently. Not long after that, she married me. But don't think it was because I was enough. It was because I no longer had to be, because I have grace. He's enough. So how do you give your testimony? Really, really simple. I actually described it when I was talking about beautiful Fabi over there. What my life was like, what happened, what it's like now. It's that simple. Ask my brother here. Saw a lot of change in that guy. I did such a great job with my notes. No. I'm running into this stuff I already said further down. Yeah. I think it says the same thing on both sides. (laughs) So now for the really important thing. Why is it so important that a man died 2,000 years ago? How does that affect us today? I think the gospel that we have heard, at least here in America, for a couple of hundred years, isn't the gospel at all. Ask most Christians. So what? So he died on a cross. So what? Well, now I get to go to heaven. (laughs) No. It's not the point. It's not the point at all. It's true. It's absolutely true, but it's half a glass of water. Anyone heard of Dallas Willard? He's this awesome author that uh, recently passed. And uh, he's not only an author, he's a a seminary professor and uh, one one of the greatest Christian minds of of modern times. And um, I read his books, and then I read them again and again and again and again, just hoping to grasp some of it, because it's like way up here on me. Not because I'm short, but yeah. Um, One of his students wrote about him, and uh, 
He said that uh, according to Dallas, many evangelists unfortunately teach a grave distortion of that, that the gospel is all about attaining heaven after death. In his preaching, Jesus insisted again and again and again on the availability of the kingdom of God in the here and now. The Christian, Willard says, is the is one who has made the transition from a life lived on his or her own... On, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time reading this. Is one who has made the transition from a life lived on his or her own to that life that God is living in his kingdom. Thus, the gospel is good news not only for the next life, but for this life. It is the enactment of heavenly virtues by the enablement of heavenly grace on earth for the good of all creation. <laughs> really? <laughs> Everything created. Yes. Everybody. It's for the good of everyone. <laughs> it's a TED talk. <laughs> Willard corrects the mistaken notice, notion that grace is only for the forgiveness of sins. The sinner is not the one who uses a lot of grace. The saint uses more grace. The saint burns grace like a 747 burns fuel on a takeoff because everything they do is a manifestation of grace. And so when Fabi graduated college after everything she had been through, that was grace. When I went back to school to learn about theology, that was grace. When Lisa was willing to marry me, that was a lot of grace. <laughs> when my daughters gave us grandchildren, I was actually allowed to be around them. That was grace. When Ron offered me a job here, yeah. Imagine the fear I had to hurdle on that one. Because I know who I am. And the reason I said yes is because I know who he is. So not long after our Lord had gone, after he had reenacted Peter, right, because Peter was so faithful that he went back to fishing. Peter and his buddy are walking to temple, and they see a beggar. The beggar's been lame since birth. And he's asking for money, and Peter says, go ahead, you guys know it, right? Silver and gold I have not, but what I do have, I give freely. And he puts out his hand and says, walk. And the guy leaps up. Some would say, 
that that healing was what was so magical about that moment. And, and yeah, it is. But something bigger happened there. Peter happened. Peter, a man who went back to fishing, a man who lied about knowing Jesus three times on the night that he was murdered. An absolute coward. Kind of reminds me of me. He gave a speech about what had just happened. And he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. We have to stop being afraid. People don't come to church because of wonderful music, although it is really wonderful music. People come to church not to hang out with us because we're really not all that. People come to church because of the gospel. They come to church because they finally received hope. That's the thing I was looking for my whole life was hope. Something has to be better than this. Because thing would happen after thing would happen after thing would happen, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And and I I read to the end of this, and things are going to keep happening. But I've read far enough to know that at the end we win. And I got news for you. It doesn't end because we go to heaven. It ends because heaven comes here. This place is going to be like heaven. Think about that for a minute. I'm not positive, but I think I'm actually going to get to hang out in this building when heaven is in it. That's pretty cool, right? And so now i got to correct that statement. Because heaven's in it. Jesus came and he declared that moment when he read from Isaiah. He declared the moment where it started. The blind saw. The lame walked. Good news was preached to the poor. What they teach us in the vineyard isn't that it's all going to be good when we die. It's good now because it's here and it's not yet. We can taste the kingdom right now. Yeah, that's worth a clap. Yeah. Jesus went around telling everyone repent, the kingdom is at hand. What does it mean for someone to be at hand? It means you can reach it, right? And so I used to think that since I was running so far from God, that when I turn around, he's way over there. God! It wasn't like that. I was running away from God, and he was right there. And I turned around, and I could touch him. The moment I faced him, I could reach him. And that's what it's like being a Christian. I can taste of heaven now, I can pray and things happen. I can, I, man, I don't even know what I can do. I can't do anything. <laughs> he does it. I, I have watched so many lives transformed, and I don't get to take credit for any of them. It's beautiful. When I pray for the worship team or when I pray for Ron before he comes up to speak, I pray the same thing all the time. Please make them invisible. 
And remember, Satan was a worship leader. <laughs> that can go bad unless they become invisible. If they get that superpower, that, that superhero superpower of invisibility, then everything points at him and it works out better, right? It's difficult to stand up here and stay invisible. It really is. I can tell you from experience. And so really the thing that I came here to tell you today was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. And that changes everything. And it's because of him that I am not ashamed of the gospel. And so hopefully, all of you will take a few minutes some point during your day to day and think about what your story is what was it like what happened what is it like now and think hard because it's real easy to gloss over what happened think about how to make the story short so that you could tell it to people in passing And then boldly go out where no man has... No. Then boldly go out and tell people about it. I remember coming to church one day. Uh, I used to come at six so I could turn the blowers on because it would get really hot in this room. And uh, I'm walking... We used to live right over here, and I'm walking down the street, and I passed this woman, and she was pretty tore up, and uh, looked like she hadn't slept in a little while, and there I am carrying this Bible, same one, and I'm walking to the church, and I walked right by her, and I was thinking, maybe I should invite her to church, but something inside me stopped me. I think what that something was was fear. Like, what if she rejected me? How would it feel if I presented the gospel to her? And she said no. Because, you know, life was still about Steve back then. And so I kept walking. And I spent the rest of the day with my heart in a wrench. Because I had missed the opportunity to tell this person who obviously needed help that Jesus loved her. There's a whole town of people like that here. That's why they chose this building, what, 25 years ago, was because it was close to all the action. All the wonderful action, the, the prostitutes and the homeless people and the, the crime. And the, as I guess Oceanside 25 years ago is a different picture. And so now I want to challenge you all. Take your story and tell it to people because it's not yours, it's his. Your story isn't about you, it's about him. And when they reject you, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting him. And uh, Amy, could you bring your band up? 
So in a few minutes, there's going to be some people out here praying for people. And I think maybe some of you got touched today. I think maybe some of you are thinking, maybe I'm supposed to do that, but I'm afraid. Come down and get some prayer. And of course, any other kind of prayer you need. And with that, Father, I pray that you come. Fill us with your spirit. Give us the courage to represent you and to represent you well. Father, fill us with your love so full that it flows over and spills on everyone we come in contact with. Father, as we meet people, use us to help them take one step closer to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.